This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Welcome to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider with our partner from DK Pittsburgh Sports, Dan Kovacevic. And here we are, Wednesday of game week, and now it's feeling like Monday of game week. <laughs> or, or something like Friday that. Friday or something, yeah. As um, you know by now, the Steelers and Titans postponed on Sunday. Supposed to be played Sunday at 1, now Monday or Tuesday because of the COVID outbreak. So your feelings on this? My feelings, first of all, <laughs> Albie, are I loved the way the Steelers have responded to this. Um, in not so many words, they've basically said, too bad. Uh, and that's not being callous toward the people who have tested positive. There's eight of them, three players and five staffers. Um, it's not callous toward the broader condition or the seriousness of COVID-19. But it's very much callous toward, look, you didn't hold up your end. We did. Why would we be punished for it? When you look at some of the, the remarks that, uh, that Ben Roethlisberger had uh, for us this morning, and he said, I've got my, I'm homeschooling my kid. I don't have any guests over. Yeah. Okay, we're all making the necessary sacrifices. And the Steelers, to their credit, and 30 other teams in the NFL, to their credit, have been clean. You know, the Steelers had a couple of cases in, in, in camp, in the early part of camp, before they got everybody into the controlled setting, which really doesn't even count right. if you think about it. They've been clean. Uh, they've done their part. There's no bubble in the NFL. They're not being secluded. They're all doing it individually. It's now, Albie, part of the game. Again, not to diminish a global pandemic as saying that somehow, you know, some yeah, but it's part of what they're of having football, to deal with, yes. But it is. Okay, this is now part of the competition. We heard this stuff from Derek Shelton of the Pirates. We heard it from Mike Sullivan of the Penguins. We've heard it repeatedly from Mike Tomlin, including again this week. It's part of the game. It's part of competing. We have to remain available. We have to remain healthy. We have to be responsible to each other, meaning the rest of their teammates and staffers and their families. Okay, somebody with the Titans. I don't know who. I don't really care who. I mean, one of the three players is the long snapper. Like, I really don't care, okay? Right. Somebody messed up. Somebody didn't have the proper protocol. Somebody didn't have the right priorities in place. Somebody messed up. And now, look at what it's causing schedule-wise. And the other thing is this. The immediate thought was, oh, no big deal for the Steelers. They have an extra day or two to prepare. But... Following this game oh, yeah. is a game with the Philadelphia Eagles, October yep. 11th. So if they play Monday, or they say Monday or Tuesday, I mean, maybe it's likely Monday unless something happens and they have to push it back to Tuesday. All of a sudden, that's a very short, short week, week for the Steelers. Yeah, and, and what did, again, what did the Steelers do to deserve the short week? Nothing. They're going to go into their game against Philadelphia at, a, at, at least a, a small, but, you know, significant enough to mention disadvantage especially if it's Tuesday and now it's like them coming off of a you know Sunday game and playing Thursday uh, with just a couple of days of practice um, here's here's my strongest feeling about this is this if the NFL is messing with this game because of a delay on testing or testing results I'm okay with it 
if it's because they want to make sure that Mike Vrabel gets in a sufficient amount of practice, uh-uh. Right. No. No. And the NFL, in their wording. And we'll never know that, by the today way. Today <laughs> was very careful to say that it was about safety this, safety that, cleaning this, cleaning that. And they never mentioned anything about practices, but Mike Vrabel did. Mike Vrabel brought that up earlier today at his press conference in Nashville saying uh, that you know, there's something so they're trying to, the NFL's trying to work out something so that we, we at least get a practice or two. Why? Why? Right. You know? And we'll uh, never, and we'll never know why. Well, uh, no, we're not. They're not going to come telling us, Elvie. No, no. But the point is, it's it's <laughs> it's not a it's 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 not a great situation for the Steelers, but it's going to be that much worse for the National Football League because if this is the way they set their precedent, that oh no, so and so messed up, so let's make sure they get the requisite number of practices in. Right. Oh no. Now, now that's the other thing that, that we can transition to here. This is the first test. Yes. For the National this Football League. This is their Marlins. This is, yes, yeah. this is their Marlins, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they react. They've already reacted. It's, we're going to see how efficiently that decision was made. Well, we'll find out, too, because if they, if they do something silly and push this back to Tuesday or whatever, uh, or, or worse, if we start getting into messing around with bye weeks later in the year and whatever, and that's something they can't afford to do because you get into a bye week, and then if there's another problem, you know, all, you, you can't play seven inning double headers in, no, in the no, NFL. No, no, no. So you got to so, play your games, right? Yeah. And, and I think that that's one of the concerns here that they're they're going to have to play this game ASAP, whether it's Monday or Tuesday. Well, a, another thing to throw in, just from the pure football standpoint, is that the Steelers should beat this team, okay? And they should beat this team regardless of these circumstances. Uh, the Titans rank 32nd. And that's out of 32 teams, kids. Yeah. In the NFL, against the in run, run defense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Steelers are the only team in the NFL that's got a hundred-yard rusher in each of the first three weeks. Uh, and on top of that, DeQuan Jones, a defensive lineman who's one of their their few good guys up front, is one of the three coronavirus dudes. So he's not going to be playing. So the 32nd best run defense might actually be like the 33rd or the 34th. The Steelers should beat this team. Uh, there's no reason to take any advantage away from them. Uh, Daquan Jones, of course, the former Penn Stater as well. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of interest in the fact that he's one of the three players. And I think you said it best. It's going to be interesting to see if they've contained it. Uh, we'll never know how this happened or, or anything else on why they made the decision. But if it's played Monday, it played a day late, I think everybody can live with that. If it starts getting pushed back later in the week, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. All right, we're back to talk about uh, the Pirates and one of their true bright spots. And uh, later on, a little Penguins as well. Well, not Penguins, but Tampa Bay Lightning, the new Stanley Cup champs. And I think we might bleed into the Penguins a little bit as well. Dan and Albie back after this. Back to halftime adjustments. Albie Oxenrider with Dan Kovacevic. And the Pirates finished their season. Well, they finished their season with a disappointing loss because they had a chance at 20 wins, which at least for some people may. <laughs> yeah. If you had one of those wagers that said they'd win 20 or more, uh, you, were, you were biting your fingernails up uh. until the last minute. So it was just a rotten all-around season for the Pirates. A lot of guys underachieved. 19-41 and 41 was their final record. But as you talked about, 
uh, Sunday night. Uh, in the final word, uh, a big bright spot that is shining above everything else, and, and that's Cabrian uh, Hayes. Yeah, it is, and, and the Pirates needed something slash someone to be that because you used the word disappointing, and there isn't a better term for what happened to the core offensive players, the everyday guys on this team. Um, I can't think of anything that could have been worse for the 2020 Pirates, but also the future Pirates, than to have Brian Reynolds regress the way he did, to have Kevin Newman regress the way he did, offensively and defensively, I might add. Uh, Adam Frazier, nothing. Josh Bell, after 37 homers and 114 RBIs, just ended up looking like anybody else. Right. Um, you know, whatever the hopes were for Gregory Polanco, obviously, you know, not that he's part of the future or anything, but he's part of the core of the offense. Uh, the number of people who either rose up or at least played to expectations was criminally low. You know, you're talking about Colin Moran and maybe about a month of Eric Gonzalez. You know, Jacob Stallings is, is a very, very good catcher, and I don't mean to leave him out. But overall, you're talking about just a big, big disappointment. And then comes this kid. Who, does, who, who do you think of when you, when, when, you, when you see him play, or just in general? Well, it's, it's funny because I can't stop thinking of the fact that his father... Uh, oh, he's better than Charlie. No, no, no. I'm not <laughs> yeah. comparing him to him in that way. Yeah. But it's funny when you say, when I look at Cabrian Hayes, the thing that keeps ringing in my head is, wow, here's another one of those father-sons yeah. that I've happened to bridge. Hey, listen, I... Charlie was uh, never this good. No, and... and <laughs> The, the thing that comes to mind is the fact that he came up and didn't disappoint. I mean, there have been a number of there have been a number of players over the last several years who have come up and they have, you know, Starley Marte being the exception. But I mean, Gregory Polanco. Remember all the oh, the he, but he was fantastic for the first two weeks. It yes, was and legendary. It, and then it was a, a steady drop. And, and that's and the way it goes with almost everybody, though. Brian Hayes' month for anybody who doesn't know this or who kind of tuned the team out. He batted 376 in his first month in the major leagues. Uh, his OPS, his on-base plus slugging percentage, which is the best cumulative offensive stat in baseball, was the fourth best in the major league baseball history for a player's opening month. Like Albert Pujols is one of the amazing. other three It guys, really is okay? amazing. Um, that's not to say he's going to do that every month for the rest of his career, or Cooperstown will actually be creating a special <laughs> building for him adjacent to the current Hall of Fame. That's not going to happen. But he can do these things. He's done them once. And therefore, there's every reason to believe that it, it can be repeatable. Uh, eight hits in as many plate appearances, eight in a row over the weekend in Cleveland. Uh, these are special things. His spray chart, where he hits the ball to, is just, it's right. everywhere. Right. Because he's seeing the pitch where it is and driving it where it came from. Um, I remember, you know, real, real fast, let me just interrupt your train of thought. Final game on Sunday, I think at the time he was batting 381. It might have been his final at bat mm -hmm. when he kind of pushed that long fly ball to, to, to right center. I know what you're talking about, yeah. And the power even on that, because he, 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 he got up on it. Yeah. And boy, the, did he hit that ball the hard. Part that's, the part that's the most encouraging about Hayes, I, I'd say there's, 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 there's three things about him. One is that his elite base running, not just his speed, but his up here on the base paths, 
is not going to go into a slump. His defense, which is a three-time gold glove winner in the minor leagues, which is close to unprecedented. I want to, I want to say he's only the second minor leaguer in the last 50 years to win three of them in a row, meaning not Pirates minor leaguers, any minor leaguers. But it's the offense and the fact that in the minors he hit the ball hard even when his batting average was down. The problem was is he was hitting it down into the ground so he was hitting a lot of sharp ground outs because being fast doesn't help you if you hit the ball hard at somebody. Right, right. So what he worked on with Rick Eckstein uh, and Mike Rabella, the Pirates hitting coaches going back to last December and into Bradenton uh, in the original spring training was what everybody in baseball is now calling launch angle. Get the ball up into the air. He's hitting it hard now, but when you see it, it goes over the infield. And when it goes over the infielders' heads, it's doing good things. He's still going to line out to the outfielders once in a while, but he's also going to pop five home runs like he did. Um, the most encouraging thing about him is that he looks real. These things don't have a fluky feel to it like he just landed yeah, right, a right. single somewhere. Who does it remind you of? Oh, I hate to do this, but you've put me in a corner here. I mean, he, he reminds me a lot of Kutch, yeah. uh, including the calm, de confident demeanor that he has. Uh, you don't see him get overly super pumped, expressive. And that's how Kutch was when he came up. Kutch knew he was good. Kutch knew he could be great, but Kutch didn't walk around telling you that. And I think that's where this kid is. You wonder if he could be even better than Kutch. Oh, see, see, yeah. I, I, I didn't want to not name well, drop Kutch no, at all, and you no, come no. in with better than well, Kutch. Well, no, but but I'm just saying that you know Kutch was very good for a for a you know seven eight year period. He was very he good. He was he was an MVP. Yeah, he was an MVP. Yeah, the, and, the and player I'm, of his generation with it, the Pirates. And yeah, absolutely. And and I think this kid has all the upside potential. Oh, but could, he's going to need know. some help. He just is Ben Charrington. If you're watching this, well, that's a whole nother. <laughs> Give him some help. That's a whole nother subject. If you talk to pirate fans, oh yeah, they got him. How long are they going to keep him? Even uh, if that doesn't make any yeah. sense, that's what you hear. All right, look at Dean yelling us. He's yelling at me for creeping too close, and now I'm over time. That's it's, the CDC doing that. Right, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <laughs> Dean. Yeah, CDC Dean. All right, we're back after. <laughs> look at him. We're back after this with more of halftime adjustments. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments, and yes, the Tampa Bay Lightning are Stanley Cup champs. I, for one, you know, the question here is, are the light, are they a legit champ? And I will say, absolutely they're a legit champ. They won the cup with their best player on the bench for much of the tournament. They are very legit. Do you agree? You know, somebody asked me earlier in the week if the Lightning should get some kind of asterisk or this championship and I said yeah actually it should because it's extraordinary yeah uh, what they were able to achieve uh, within a very fair tournament people talk about like not having travel the, the the cynics and the fact that you know it's 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 easier in that regard and how yeah what was, how their was that what was their competitive advantage nobody traveled yeah nobody went anywhere right um, uh, Tom Reed from from our site, our, our features and enterprise writer, interviewed uh, people at uh, Biosphere. 
out in Arizona where they do studies on the human condition whenever you're isolated and they talk about the psychological impact. Um, and before you roll your eyes at this, no one's comparing it to the military or working in a submarine or anything like that. But these are athletes. They're not trained for this the way mili yes, military yes. members right, are. Right. Okay? They're Actually, trained for the exact opposite. They're trained to be surrounded by 18,000 people freaking out. It's a completely different world. They're trained for exactly the opposite. So you put them in this setting, they're the ones that had to cope with it. They're the ones that had to cope with never, ever, ever leaving these areas. And I understand the NHL made them nice and everything else here, but Albie, we're talking about two months. Yeah. And I, you know, back to your, your, your comments about them being legit, mm -hmm. you could make an argument that what they did in the bubble was in some ways more difficult than a normal champ well, would have to go through. Remember I, when I, the Penguins were eliminated uh, in, the, in the best of five by Montreal in four games, one of Jim Rutherford's little side swipes at his team was that he wasn't sure if they just wanted to get out of the bubble. Be, they weren't even there a week. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't even there at all. Right. You know? And we've, we've now seen, read, and heard some of the stories of the players, the NHL players, after they left the bubble from the teams that were eliminated, saying, I mean, that was not easy. You know, now picture double that with the Dallas Stars. Because the Stars, unlike the Lightning, who at least played two rounds in Toronto and then got out and went on an airplane, yeah. went to Edmonton and had at least got to see some Something new. daylight out of prison. Hey, look, yeah. there's clouds, everybody. The Stars never left. Yeah, right. The Stars were right. there for two were... straight months. Uh, huh. I'll, I'll tell you this. The, the Lightning are a legit champ in a lot of ways. Setting aside the coronavirus and the bubble thing, think about this. In 2015, they lost to the Blackhawks. Blackhawks going to win the cup obviously that was the final 2016 they lose to the penguins in the conference final penguins win the cup 2018 they lose to the capitals capitals go on to win the cup all they did was pound on the door for half a decade with basically this group you know the stamkos victor hedman andre palat all these guys that have been around forever alex Kalorn, and they made it through uh, that, to me, is the most commendable thing about this, even beyond the bubble and, and the coronavirus. The Lightning stuck with their core group. They stuck with John Cooper, who you might not know this, is the most tenured head coach in the NHL. You don't think of him that way no, at all, right? He's now won at every level. He has, and, yeah. and, but they stuck by him. They yeah. stuck by their players. They didn't panic. This is a group that largely Steve Eiserman built earlier in the decade, but Julian Brisebois comes along and adds all the right pieces, shores them up defensively after they lost to the, to the Blue Jackets in, in the first round last year. Um, that is an eminently deserving champion. There's nothing fluky about it. Now, Albie, I'll ask you this. What if some goofy 10th or 11th seed or something, or even Dallas, who nobody really expected. What if they had won? Do you think the perception might have been different? That, wow, this is just a weird tournament. No, I see. I, I'm of the belief that, that being in the bubble made it difficult for all the reasons that you detailed. And any team that was able to come out of that, it's like the NCAA tournament. If you have a team that's a lower seed that wins the NCAA tournament, you don't look at them as a fluke. You look at them as a team that was able to get hot at the right time, win the games against great teams. I mean, that's what sports is. 
Sports isn't about the favorite winning. Sports is about the upset. Sports is about the underdog that overachieves or gets hot at the right time. That's what sports really Ultimately, is. Ultimately, though, in this case, the best team did win. Yes. I don't think anybody can dispute over the last two full seasons in the National Hockey League that the Tampa Bay Lightning had the most talented yeah, right. roster. Right. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the, the NCAA tournament. Uh, a couple of the Lightning players brought this up after the championship, but, but UVA, the University of Virginia, lost one year. Yes. You know what I'm going to say To the 16th seed. To UMBC. Yes. And to the 16th seed, first time ever, and all that other stuff, a really, really big deal. What did they do the next year? Yeah, they won it all. And that's what the Lightning did. They went down to Columbus, which had never before won a playoff yeah. round yes. in 17 years in the league. And then the lightning bounced back in, in the biggest way possible. That's actually I mean, it's a great story. That's actually, it is a great story. Yeah, and that's a is. great analogy because when Virginia did that, I thought, wow, they went from the depths of humiliation, uh, losing to, to a number 16 yeah. seed to so win it all. So there's more to it than just the virus in the bubble. All right. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm getting the stare from Dean. Back after this. Welcome back to our final moment. So here it is, the last day of September. We're ready to move into the final quarter of 2020. I mean, it's not February still? <laughs> well, it was. And that, a, day, a day ago, it was February. So now we have no Penguins. Now there's no Pirates. The Stanley Cup champion has been crowned. Baseball playoffs are underway, but in Pittsburgh, it's all about the Steelers. It is. It is. Uh, and, and they're starting to take on the look of... Ooh, I don't want to take this too far. I mean, they're 3-0. and They've beaten a couple of bad teams and all that other stuff. But what has you the most encouraged about the Steelers, what has me the most encouraged about them, is that they're making big splash plays that teams with lesser talent can't make. So the things that they're doing wrong are eminently solvable. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Because they're little stuff like elapsed coverage and stuff like that. What you can't do if you're an ordinary team is what T.J. Watt's doing. You know, right. is what Ben and the receivers are doing. That's special. All right. Yes, it is. And I think, to your point, they are legit, even though it's only February 5th. I'm Albie for Dayan. We'll see you next week.